as always, try to build the service pointing toward our sermon. Did that today, singing, O God, our help in ages past. A mighty fortress is our God, leaning on the everlasting arms. And be still, my soul, as we come to Psalm 121. A familiar psalm, I'm sure, to most all of you. 121st Psalm. As I read, let us remember this is the holy, inspired, inerrant, authoritative word of the living God. I will lift my eyes to the mountains. From where shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. You will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. The old he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. And that is God's word. Let's pray. Father, we ask again your blessing upon our time together in your word. and We would not even venture to try to study it or to explain it or to proclaim it or to teach it. Rather than acknowledging that we are dependent upon you to understand it, to learn it, to apply it. Father, these are spiritual matters. Your book is a spiritual book because it points us primarily to Christ. So we pray, O oh Father, this morning for spiritual minds and hearts would grapple with the truth. would be able to see it clearly, to understand it aright. And as always, Father, we pray for grace to apply it to our own hearts and lives. By the Holy Spirit, we are made aware of our need. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 121 is a part of a section of the Psalms. It is known as the Psalms of Ascent. There are 15 psalms of ascent. They run from Psalm 120 through Psalm 134. The word ascents means to go up. This is a climbing a stairway. And th- these psalms, these 15 psalms, kind of formed a, a hymnal for the Jew. As they made their way to Jerusalem three times a year for the annual celebrations they were required to observe. The early spring, it was Passover. Early summer, it was Pentecost. Fall, it was the Feast of Tabernacles. And many of the Jews who lived in the outlying areas of Israel would travel together as family groups. They would sing these songs or these psalms of ascent to help focus their minds on what the Lord had done for His people and to prepare their hearts for the spiritual experiences that were for them as they observed these 
annual feasts. They always also just sang these psalms of ascent to get them through the journey. There were no real roads back then, primarily well-worn paths that ran, ran along uh, riverbeds and mountain passes. These trips could be hard. They were primarily done on foot. Their feet got sore, as you can imagine. Uh, their muscles ached. Sleep was hard to come by. And I'm sure the children got rather weary and restless. There are also dangers from intimate weather, wild animals, and from robbers. And so it's understandable that at least one of these Psalms of Ascent focused on God's help in times of need and in times of trouble, or on the protection that God gives to His people. The dominant theme of this psalm is the way God keeps those who belong to Him. The word help, or the word keep, is found six times in these eight verses. That's a practical psalm. I said at the beginning, I'm sure this is a familiar psalm. This is a psalm that has been a blessing to God's people through the years. There are times in each one of our lives when we know that we are in need of help. When we're in need of God's help. There are times when we feel very small, very afraid, intimidated, inadequate, unsure, insufficient. And we feel this desperate need within us to cry out for someone to help us. You've been in those situations, I'm sure. Maybe it was a situation at work where you faced a difficulty you just didn't really know how to handle. And you needed someone, somehow, to help you. Maybe it was a, a time where you had to confront someone personally about a difficult subject. You didn't know how to do it. didn't know what to say. And you knew you needed help. Maybe it's a situation at your home. Maybe dealing with your children, little children, teenage children, whatever the case may be. Maybe it was a personal experience where you went through a time of personal tragedy, serious illness, and you felt helpless. It is in times like that that this psalm is so particularly meaningful to us and helpful. Throughout this psalm, God promises to us His help. And, and the truth of Scripture is no matter where you are in life, no matter what you're facing in life, no matter what difficulties you may be grappling with in your life, psalm promises that God is your keeper. God is your helper. No matter what your situation, no matter how deep the well you seem to be in, no matter how far it may be to try to get out, the Bible says that God is your help. And He is never far away. Just two points to my sermon this morning. I'm going to look at the first two verses, which will be the anticipation of God's help, and then the remainder of the psalm, verses 3 through 8. The assurance of God's help. And you can tell that's where the transition is. Because if you look at verses 1 and 2, it's in the first person. I, my, my, 
My. And then you could begin in verse 3. It's in the second person. About you and your. And so that's where we're going to break this psalm in these two divisions. Anticipation of God's help. Where do we look for it? And then the assurance of it. What does it mean? What assurances do we have that God is our help in a practical way? So first, the anticipation of God's help in the first two verses. In this song, as they traveled along to make their way up to Jerusalem, the people were looking for help. Wondering aloud in this psalm of ascent, source of their help and where it would be found in their times of trouble. It refers to the mountains. The mountains there symbolize anything physical or anything in this world that might give them help or a sense of security in life. Mountains, you know, were seen as pillars of strength. Sometimes spiritual powers were believed to be hovering in the mountains in some way. And so as they go to Jerusalem, they begin to sing together, I will lift mine eyes to the mountains. From where shall my help come? In other words, there are the mountains. There are those pillars of strength. There are those places to which many people look for their help. Is that it? Are those mountains the source of our help? When you're in a difficult time, when you need help, where do you look first? The world tells us to look several different places, doesn't it? The world tells us to look to yourself. To look inside just to muster whatever strength you can. To grab yourself up by the bootstraps and just tackle life on your own. Or it tells you to look outside to others. To rely on friendships. On the strength that others provide for you. Or he tells you to look to what you have. Try to buy your way out. Or to your influence. To try to finagle your way out. But the point of these first two verses is, our help isn't found in anything out there. Our help is found in the Lord. That's what verse 2 says. In response to that question, where does my help come The answer is in verse 2, My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So that's the question I think you must ask yourself. Every time you are encountering a situation where you need some help, the first question is, where do I look? Where does my help come? Does it come within me? Does it come from those around me? Does it come from what I have? In other words, does my help come from the creation or the creator? Do you look to yourself or do you look to the one who made you? Corey Ten Boom, who knew just a little bit about suffering and hardship, once said, look around and be distressed. Look inside and be depressed look to Jesus and be at rest those really are the three options you have you 
are in trouble when you're in need of help. You can look around others and what is around you and just be distressed that sufficient help's not there. You can look inside, try to muster yourself all you can and, and be depressed. Or you can look to Jesus. You can be at rest. There are times when all of us feel overwhelmed by life's troubles. And many times when we're overwhelmed by the difficulties of life, we begin to ask, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And many times the answer may be, nothing. You see, problems are part of life. Job says, man is bound for trouble just as certainly as the sparks fly upward. He said, man has a short life and is full of trouble. Trouble and difficulty are just part of living in a fallen world. Folks, we live in a world that is tainted by sin. Every part of your life. Self. Your spouse. Children. Your boss, customers, your patients, your friends, children to play on your ball teams, all center. But we live in a world that's wrought with difficulty, don't we? And it's all because of the reality that we live in a fallen world, a world that is tainted by sin. And so the question is not if I need help, but when I need it. When I need it, where do I look? The answer is to look up. Look up. God, because the psalm says, my help comes from the Lord. I want you to see two things before we move on, and I'll assure you that spending the majority of my time in the first point this morning. Let's see two things in these first two verses before we move on. And one is the significance of this word help. But the question is, where does my help come? And the answer is, my help comes from the Lord. In the Hebrew, the word help is easer. A strange word, isn't it? Help. But you said it. At least you've sung it if you've been here at North Point often. We often sing the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. In that song are the words, Here I raise my Ebenezer. I'm sure many people sing that song and say, What in the world does that mean? The word Eben is the Hebrew word for stone. Ezer is the word for help. Nebuchadnezzar is a stone of help. What Samuel raised, remember the story when the Philistine army was after the Israelites and were about to capture them, and God caused this great boom of thunder to take place so that the Philistine army was disoriented and the Israelites were spared. Remember that event. Samuel set up this memorial stone 
this Ebenezer, this stone of help. He told the people, thus far, God. Folks, there ought to be some Ebenezers in your life. There ought to be some times in your life where you remember, this was a time when God helped me. This was a time when God delivered me. This was a time when God spared me. Don't forget the help the Lord provides. If need be, set up a memorial stuff and Ebenezer. But also, the text does not say that our help just comes from the Lord. But it says, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. I just can't stress to you how important creation is all the way through the Bible. Creation matters. Your view of creation matters. I'll tell you what, it sure is a great comfort to me to know that the Bible says, my help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. How about that? In my understanding of Genesis chapter 1, my help comes from the God who created all there is by the word of his power in the space of six days and all very good. You know what it tells me? If God can do that, he can handle whatever problem I have. If God can call this world out of nothing by the word of his power, speak and have it done, there is no problem I face. No need I have that God cannot help or meet. My help comes from the Lord, the one who made heaven and earth. That's the anticipation of this help. We look to God and we anticipate him to help us because he is our helper. And then second, we find in the rest of this psalm the assurance of God's help or the assurance of what that means for us. Thomas has established the premise. God is our help. What does that mean on a practical basis? Now again, it shifts here from the first person to the second verse person, and he says in verse 3, part of what it means that God is our help is he will not allow your foot to slip. Now the slipping of the foot in those days often referred to misfortune it indicated insecurity. We've already seen that the Bible clearly says that difficulty and trouble and problems are a part of life. It's a part of the human experience. Security we have is that in the midst of those problems, God will not allow our foot to slip so badly that we cannot get up, that we fall to complete disaster. Will not allow your foot to slip. Secondly, he says, the fact that God is your helper means that He does not slumber. Verses three and four. You, he, he does not. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. The old He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Of course, that is referring to God's omniscience. God always knows what you are experiencing. There is never a situation, never a circumstance through which you go that God is not aware of. He never turns his head. He never takes a nap. The Lord's always on duty. He's always alert. 
Psalmist says it. Your keeper does not sleep. You know, one of the more humorous places in the Bible is Elijah's confrontation with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. You know, they set up this contest. And uh, whoever's God would, would cause fire first would prove himself to be the true God. And, you know, Elijah let the prophets of Baal go first. And they built their altar and they began to call on Baal. And they called on Baal. And they called on Baal. From morning to noon, they called on Baal. Baal did not answer. Nothing happened. No fire. So they began to become more animated in their appeals to Baal. And finally Elijah began to taunt them a little bit. And say, what's the matter? Where is he? Maybe he's busy. Maybe Baal's gone on a little trip. Maybe Baal's taking a nap and is asleep. Maybe you need to cry out a little louder so you can wake him up. The Lord does not sleep. The Lord's always awake. Camp counselor was putting his little charges to bed one night. And he told him, he said, let's go to bed and put our cares in God's hands. The boy said, might as well, he's up all night anyway. That's right. God's up all night anyway. Never sleeps. Now, I can't preach this sermon without making some reference to the to the tragedies, bad things that we see taking place almost every day around us, often to us. How do we fit that in with the sovereignty of God? How do we fit that in with Psalm 121 where it says, The Lord is your keeper. He doesn't allow your foot to slip. He doesn't slumber, doesn't sleep. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. How do we fit all these negative things that happen? How do we fit the, the reality of what we see taking place around us? Think any tragedy. It was a tornado, hurricane, flood, car wreck. Where was God? Was he like Baal? Had he had a little trip? Dozed off? Not paying attention? Was he sitting in heaven frustrated? Seeing something happen? Having absolutely no control over what to do about it? The Bible's answer, of course, is a resounding no. Sometimes when bad things happen, people say, well, God couldn't have done that. That couldn't have been an act of God. And my question is, well, if it wasn't, what was it? What was it? If it's not of the hand of God, it makes no sense. It doesn't serve us any purpose to try to find some meaning in it. If somehow it fits into God's overall plan, purpose for your life and for the lives of others, 
if you can see God's hand at work, even in that difficult situation, then it begins to make more sense. You're able to put the pieces of the puzzle together better. We've got to see the events of life under the umbrella that God doesn't sleep. He doesn't take a nap. He doesn't turn his head. He's always aware and always involved in circumstances of your life and of mine. The assurance of the song in verse 5 is, The Lord is your keeper. Again, that word keep is an important word in this song. Look back in verse 4, it says, He's the one who keeps Israel. Verse 5, again, the Lord is your keeper. Verse 7, it says he will keep your soul. That is the idea of someone carefully walking over. And he is our shade. In verse 5 and verse 6, The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. Boy, we can, we can relate to that down here in the south, can't we? Boy, isn't, isn't some shade nice on a sunny day? You know, not only does the shade protect us from the searing heat, it covers us, it shelters us. And what the psalmist is referring to here is the Lord... Is our shade. It's like it casts a shadow on us. So that we're protected from the searing heat of the sun. Last two years, my son has given me his tickets to the Mississippi State baseball game. And I go every time I get a chance. I love to go. And I love where we sit. Except for one thing. As the sun sets, we are in the burning heat of the sun. The sun smites us by day. So much so that I've got to hold something up to the side of my head or I've got to move my cap over to the side of my face trying desperately to, to, to shield myself from the burning heat of the sun until finally drops behind edge of the stadium on the other side. And you know what I find? There's a blessed shade. Blessed shade. What it means? Lord, your shade on your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day nor the moon by night. It doesn't matter is the burning heat of the sun or the eerie fear of the dark neither shall overtake you but the protection of the, of the Lord is not just physical it's also spiritual look at verse 7 the Lord will protect you from all evil he will protect your soul key words there in verse 7 are evil and soul both pointing us to the, to the spiritual side of things. We, we sang on purpose this morning, A mighty fortress is our God. And in that song are the words, And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us. 
not in though this world is. This world is. This world is filled. Devil. Satan's hosts who come at you every day. If the psalmist says, the Lord will protect you from all evil. You know, Jesus in the Lord's prayer taught us to pray, deliver us from what? Deliver us from evil. But it says, the Lord protects you from all evil. Will keep your soul. You know, I want the Lord to protect me physically, and I do everything I can to help the Lord protect me physically. I want Him to take care of my body. More than that, I want I want God to take care of my soul. You know, one day we we spend so much time taking care of this physical body, but you know, one day. They're going to lay this body around. They're going to cover me up with dirt. So, how precious it is. Psalm says, the Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep even your soul. He goes on to say in verse 8, Regard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. That is, the Lord keeps you continually. He guards your going out, your coming in, doesn't matter what you're doing, what's happening. It happens and takes place, he says, from this time forth and forevermore. The Lord is My help comes from the Lord. What again does that mean? Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus said, I'll ask the Father. And He'll send another helper who will be with you forever. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In reality, your help when we say your help is the Lord, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the triune God is the keeper of your soul. He is the one who is indeed help. And we started our service with Him on purpose. Oh God, our help. Oh God, our help in ages past. Our hope for years to come. Our shelter from the stormy blast. Our eternal home is all of that. Praise His name for it. Pray. Lord God, thank You so much for Your Word, for His truth, for the blessing it is to us. Pray for everyone here those who may be going through difficult times of life, uncertain times, unsure of the future, times of depression, times of need. Father, may they look to you, realize that their help comes from the Lord who made heavens and earth, and that you are our keeper, our shade on our right hand, that you keep our soul, watch over us from evil. 
Father, may that encourage our hearts today. All the rest of our lives, we ask it in Jesus' name.